In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Today's gospel lesson is not meant to make you feel better about tragedy. In fact, if you've suffered such a tragedy, this lesson may even make you feel worse. The widow received her son back alive. Why hasn't Jesus restored your losses? Today's gospel lesson also isn't meant to offer reasons for tragedy. It's not an attempt to get you to understand or to see the bigger picture. Today's gospel lesson is meant to teach you how Jesus feels about suffering. It's meant to teach you about his compassion. And the first thing to learn is this. Jesus doesn't choose to feel compassion. When he saw the sorrow of the widow who had lost her only son, the very sight moved him to compassion. It's important to hear it that way. It moved him. It's a passive verb. Feeling compassion is not something that Jesus does. It's something that happens to him. Jesus is compassionate not because he stirs up his feelings, but because what he sees moves him to compassion. He is moved by the sight of suffering, and then he acts because his compassion compels him to do something. Now this is where the story in our gospel lesson takes a strange turn. Moved by compassion, moved to compassion by the sight of the widow, Jesus says to her, do not weep. I can't think of anything more useless to say to such a mother. Do not weep. Why shouldn't she weep? Why shouldn't she grieve? She had lost her son and with him her own life. Anyone can say, do not weep, but who can actually end her weeping? It sounds like a platitude, a meaningless expression. It sounds like a foolish and an empty promise. It's very easy for you and I to feel that very same way about God's promises to us. What good can they do me now? The promise of freedom from temptation and sin and sorrow and death, the promise of restored relationships and perfect joy, that'll be great someday. But what about right now? How are we to sit and hope and wait right now, especially in the face of tragedy, especially while we suffer? What use are those promises now? The problem is that you and I think of God's promises like our own. But Jesus doesn't make promises like you and I do. He doesn't make promises for a future that is separated from the present moment. He doesn't promise to do things that he's just putting off for a while. He doesn't wait to fulfill his promises. A friend of mine this week told me about his four-year-old son, Sam, who has been making a lot of promises lately. 
He's learning how promises work, and right now it often goes like this. When his dad asks him to go and pick up his toys, he goes, and while he's picking them up, he says, Dad, I promise I'm going to pick up my toys. Now, it may seem that Sam doesn't understand how promises work. What's the point of promising something that you're already doing? But that, in fact, is exactly the point. For Sam, at four years old, promises are inseparable from their fulfillment. The best promises are the ones that are already being fulfilled. And those are the kind of promises that Jesus makes. Here's how it plays out in today's Gospel lesson. Jesus says to the widow, do not weep. And it's a promise that her grief will end, which, coming from anyone else, wouldn't help her at all. But then, Jesus sets about fulfilling that promise right away. He immediately acts on his compassion. Now take careful note. This is the most important part. In bringing an end to the widow's weeping, Jesus does a whole bunch of things that don't make any sense. They seem useless and even counterproductive, just like saying, do not weep. First, he stops the funeral procession. And when he does that, he prolongs this agonizing ceremony. The young man who had already once been taken from his mother is again being taken from her through this ritual, and Jesus makes her grief last even longer. And then Jesus touches the coffin. According to the law, that makes you unclean for seven days, and so Jesus has made himself completely useless. He can't participate in the life of the community or its worship for seven days. And then, not least of all, Jesus speaks to a cold, lifeless body. He speaks to someone who has ears but cannot hear. He gives a command to the corpse. Young man, I say... And important judgments were rendered. And as Jesus and his crowd approached the gate, there came another crowd, this funeral procession from within the town. And when those two crowds met at the gate, there would be a judgment. Jesus and his procession of life would make the case against the procession of death. And when the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother, the matter was decided. Wherever Jesus is, life is overcoming death. You feel better about tragedy. It's not meant to make you understand or see the bigger picture. It's meant to show you how Jesus feels about suffering. It's meant to teach you about his compassion. And what we learn is this, to rescue you from sin, from sorrow, from death. That promise is not like the promises that you and I make. It's the best kind of promise. It's a promise that he is already fulfilling.
And then, of course, Jesus does a bunch of things that don't make any sense whatsoever. You with water, feeding you bread and wine, asking a pastor to forgive your sins, keeping you in this company, all of these people who are likewise gathered here around all of these things that Jesus is doing that don't make any sense. When Jesus does all of that for you, it is precisely because he has seen your suffering and has been moved to compassion. He cannot help but act. He has promised you comfort and salvation through and through, and even in the face of tragedy and sorrow. And he is already, right now, fulfilling that promise. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.